0: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere.
1: And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Yankees split a doubleheader with the Blue Jays yesterday. They're right now third place in the American League East. Uh, Brandon Steiner recently launched Athletedirect.com. It's about athlete empowerment as well as unique personal memorabilia for fans and collectors directly from players and coaches, Mark Messier, Tom Coughlin, Sue Bird, Doc Gooden, Willie Randolph, and our next guest, Yankee manager, Aaron Boone, giving them the ability to monetize their collections or brands. Uh, aaron good to talk to you again uh what do you have what's your what's your prize possession piece of sports memorabilia
2: oh um you know what it goes back to when i was a little kid so when i was when i was a kid growing up in in south jersey and i was 10 years old i got a maurice cheeks jersey mo <laughs> cheeks is my all-time favorite of those great sixer teams of Obviously, when Moses Malone finally came and, and they won the championship, Mo Cheeks was my guy when I was a kid. And I got this jersey, uh, and it, it's it's the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my life. I still have it. I still throw it on every now and then. So I would say my Mo Cheeks jersey.
1: Have you ever met Mo Cheeks?
2: I have. Um, funny story. Um, so <clears throat> I was at a Clippers game in the offseason. And I was sitting courtside, and um, it was after I hurt my knee after um, in in the off season of '03 and '04. And and Mo was coaching, and I happened to get his attention across the court. And and somebody walked me over there, and I got to meet him and everything. I kind of told him my story growing up and everything. So yeah, it was, it was pretty neat.
1: So you were you were fanboying him?
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
1: But did you keep anything when you hit the homer off uh, Wakefield, when uh, the Yankees won the world series? uh, Well, you guys went on to win the world series, but, uh, or or no, you lost to the Marlins, right? Yes. Oops. Sorry. I'll try that again. When you hit the home (laughs) run off Wakefield, did you keep anything from that game?
2: No. So I actually gave my bat to the hall of fame, um, a fan that, got the ball I ended up meeting him and signing the ball for him um you know I have the batting gloves and and everything from from that but but no not I I didn't really keep much from that um you know I I guess I have somewhere in a in a in a case you know the spikes I wore the batting gloves but um now with with this athletes directing a lot of the things that I wear um in season during the season you know sometimes my lineup card that I keep in my pocket uh, my cutoff hoodies and things like that. Um, these are things that um, it's amazing that people, you know, want to, want to grab these things. And and it's cool to be able to interact in that way. And uh, this is, this is what this uh, venture with Brandon's allowing us to do. It's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. And you take control over your yeah. own, your own gear. I, I, did you ever talk to Wakefield about that home run? Like how does that work with after, after you're out of the game? Yeah. You ever had a conversation? so
2: i've had a few conversations with tim um first of all tim's a great guy like loves the game um has been involved on the broadcast side so i've i've had a number of conversations with him over the years um nothing about that more just talking the game catching up with each other uh we don't really talk about that you know he he uh (laughs) he, he actually had my number he he owned me uh and I ran into him ran into one against him because uh man, that thing uh that thing danced all over the place usually.
1: <laughs> he could still pitch, I think, Aaron.
2: I would think he could roll out there and 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 definitely get some outs. You know, we don't really have any knuckleballers in the game right now, so he'd be even more unique. And uh, but but he was special and and obviously uh you know had an amazing career, but we've had some great conversations over the years, but basically just, uh, you know, talking like, like old friends.
1: He's Aaron Boone, the uh, Yankee manager. Did you see the play with the Pirates and the Cubs yesterday with Javi Baez? Yes, I did. How how does that happen?
2: You know, I, I think, I think you get caught up in the moment, uh, a little bit. First of all, credit to Javi for, for getting a little creative and, and creating a distraction. I think, you know, it's sometimes, you know, as manager coaches, we go over these things sometimes with, with things that you think are just completely obvious, you know, uh, rules, rules like a infield fly rule where something happens in the moment that's different. And sometimes you react in a funny way and, and Obviously, you know, with the ball taking him off the bag, and as you start to chase Javi down the line, you're like, "What is this guy doing?" All of a sudden, though, you see runners moving, and obviously, he got a little cluttered in the mind, and and one of the weirdest plays you'll ever see. Uh, we'll get to see now on a on a replay for uh, for as long as we're here. But uh, the creativity by Javi to create, you know, confusion um, was amazing, but obviously. You know, in the end, all you needed to do was step on first, even after
1: Contreras scored. <laughs> What's the strangest thing you've seen on a baseball field?
2: That's right up there. <laughs> That's right up there. Um, you know, Danny Gray's, I played with in in Cincinnati. He was a really good closer with us. Uh, <clears throat> we were uh, we were appealing a play at third base, and he was all. He actually was a great fielding pitcher as well, and fielded his position really well, and. Uh, <clears throat> So you know, he gets on the rubber, steps off to appeal a third, threw it over my head and into the stands, <laughs> and that that didn't work out too well. So that was a pretty good one that I teased Danny about a lot.
1: Now, your grandfather played, your father played, your brother played. You know the 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 look of baseball now as opposed to what you grew up with, right? I, it it it's, it's definitely different. Yeah, but how do you manage? Do you manage differently than, than you would if if you were managing 15 years ago, 10 years ago?
2: Yeah, I, I think so, because I, I think there's just so much more information available to you on a daily basis. And, you know, how you're, you know, evaluating players, opponents, uh, different matchups. Um, you know, there's just there's just more detailed involved. And and obviously it's a different game with with um you know, the amount of power pitchers in our game now, especially rolling out from the bullpen. Um, So it's definitely changed and evolved and, and you got to try and keep up with it as best you can, as well as, you know, doing our part to try and, you know, as keepers of the game to, to try and do things that, that do make it more appealing.
1: But is there always going to be a place for pitchers? Like, like if Maddox was pitching now or Tom Glavin's pitching now, more finesse, spotting what they do, living on the edges here, as opposed to these guys who just say, here it is, Take, <clears throat> right, go get it. Uh,
2: first of all, when you're talking about great pitchers like Maddox and Flavin, they, they would adapt and they would, you know, no doubt figure figure things out. I would say the one thing that's different when you mention those guys and, and you're talking to me pl- who played in the 90s and the 2000s, I would say one thing that's changed a lot is the strike zone. The strike zone is much more north south now. Um there's probably some lower pitches called strikes, some higher pitches above the waist called strikes that weren't when I played. Um but definitely east and west. If 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 you're a inch or inch or so off the plate now and and that's called a strike, you know, you're hearing about it. You know, that that's off the plate now whereas, you know, back in the When I played, again, if a pitcher had command like Maddox, like Lavin, if you were demonstrating you could hit the glove two, three, four, even more (laughs) inches off the plate sometimes uh, off the corner, you got that call on a lot of nights. Now, uh, I don't think you'd get that on the regular.
1: (laughs) Who says something to you when you go out and you start arguing with an umpire and it, it doesn't go well? Like who lets you know, what what what, what are you doing? Uh, a,
2: a different, you know, obviously you, you have your own vantage point from the side where obviously it's not perfect. I don't have the home, but you, you get an idea of how things are going. Um, and then it, it could be anyone that if, if, if I'm starting to get uh, worked up about something or I feel like something needs to be addressed, um, I might ask about a couple of specific calls that I think, were were questionable and I want to I want a little bit of color and a little bit of context on all right what exactly am I dealing with But do here? kids
1: do your kids say something to you when, when when you make it on the highlights here Aaron
2: Oh <laughs> um not really I think they kind of laugh but um you know sometimes you know I've had a couple rants that obviously a hot mic has has caught <laughs> there um, You know, when I'm dealing with my children, um, (laughs) it's not the proudest moment. Some of the some of the language I use, I'm I'm not I don't regularly use that kind of language. So usually it's just in those moments that it gets me worked up like that. But um, can't
1: can't you get your point across without like (laughs) kicking dirt or being demonstrative? Can't you just go out and just go, let me just talk to you here. Yes. Like, did you ever think about that approach? How much of this is for show?
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens. I could, you know, you should you should get in the dugout one time, and I would like to see you go out there and get your point across like that in kind of Dan Patrick fashion. Yeah, but but Aaron, with, I'd go with out with a little humor
1: with, with my voice, and I'd go out yeah. and I would say, yeah. uh, "Hey Joe," to Joe. Witt, yeah. Hey Joe, Joe, come here. I, I, I'm just trying to understand this. Just help me because I. It feels like I'm getting squeezed here a little bit, and uh, I got to protect my guy. I don't want to make a big deal out of this. Look, I got great respect. You're one of the great managers or you're one of the great umpires of all time. I think the best umpire of all time. But aside from that, can you help out, Garrett Cole? I mean, the guy's getting squeezed a little bit here. Just you know, see it within your heart that uh, you can just call it the way it should be called. or At least I think it should be called. And look, if I'm out of or you know out of line, you just tell me, Joe. You just tell me. How would that go, Aaron?
2: I think that would be tremendous. And I'm, you know what, I'm going to take that under advisement. And and if I have to go out there the next time, I may do it in that uh, calm. Yes. Somewhat passive aggressive.
1: You know, I had Uh, had to help Mattingly because Mattingly would get tossed. And I said, every time you get tossed, you have to send me a part of your uniform. I have the whole (laughs) uniform, Aaron. Because he would get taught, he said there were times when he went out knowing he was going to have to send me his pants. (laughs) So he he said I'd go out there and I'm so mad and I know this is going to cost me a piece of my uniform here and I have a whole mannequin full of Don Mattingly, his entire Dodger uniform. I have it. That is tremendous. Yeah, and we've added the Marlins uniform now to that as well. So when you go out there, just have that thought that that's right. Dan Patrick said. How about I just go out there and just have a conversation?
2: You know what? I'm absolutely going to try that. And uh, (laughs) I think that would be quite funny. (laughs) Especially if I got kicked out in the process, completely calm. Yeah. Complimentary. And even say thank you if
1: you get tossed. You know what? Thanks. I'm sorry I interrupted the time here. And, um, Look, I I, um, I, apologize, and I'm going to go into uh, into the locker room right now. And uh, I, yeah. enjoy, I hope uh, I'm going to enjoy watching the rest of the game, and I, I wish you nothing but uh, great things, Joe. Um, love, love your work. Like I'm taking
2: it under advisement. Okay, I'm sure you are. I think it would be tremendous.
1: So instead of sending me a piece of your uniform, you're going to have it on uh, Athletedirect.com. So I'm not even – see what I did there? Full I circle, see. Aaron. Yeah, I like a, it. I'm a five-tool host. They call me the the, <laughs> the Jeter of hosts. Well, was Jeter a five-tool? Um, I mean, wasn't uh, a power guy. Not a classic five-tool, but
2: you know, he, he had the six-tool though too.
1: <laughs> what was that?
2: Just the intangible piece. <laughs> oh, I thought off.
1: it had to do with the women. My bad. I thought it was oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I like. Oh, where are we going with this? Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> We we should have hung up two minutes ago, right? We we should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he was quite a teammate, though, right? Yeah, he was. He
2: was pretty-
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's athletedirect.com. See, this is the kind of demeanor you should have when you go out to argue with an umpire. Very. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going <laughs> out there,
2: composed, complimentary. <laughs> pat him on the head, maybe you know,
1: a <laughs> Uh, it's great to talk to you and uh, have fun with this. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, Dan. Take care. You're a good sport. Aaron Boone, uh, <laughs> Athletedirect.com. I didn't know what the six tool was. Dan, uh, am I alone? Am I the only guy who thought that? Paulie? We were all laughing. Like, he could just call Jeter a six tool player, which we've always known. Like Collectively, we just heard sort a of, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, Ooh. all right, maybe... I, I think he meant clutch. <laughs> yes, Love. That guy has to face the New York media every day. And he never blushes, never loses cool. He turned bright red there. I think he was back with the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app.
3: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
4: Hi, checking in for...
3: Or the perfect table.
4: Hey, where are you? Coming!
3: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
4: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
3: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
1: Oh, look who has joined the program, the popular Rich Eisen of The Rich Eisen Show and NFL Network. Hi, Rich. DP, I was
8: driving to work. I heard your story about taking uh, your kids to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and um, and what, what were the names of the guys that she took pictures of? Who was this? Was this Georgia who took the pictures? Oh, uh,
1: no, this was Grace. But it was like, you know, Jim and Tommy. And uh, she just took pictures of two drunk Patriots fans. At the game,
8: well, the first Super Bowl uh, we took our kids to was, believe it or not, Patriots and Seahawks, and um, and the, the fact that the thing that they remember most about it were the Patriots fans around them as well, Dan, because they were just chit chatting with their own Jimmys and Toms and Mike the entire game, yeah. And Katy Perry comes out at halftime. And I'm sitting in the stands as well. It was the first Super Bowl I ever did not work the post-game show, so it was the first one I actually sat in the stands for myself because I normally would have to be getting ready to do a post-game. But anyway, any rate, so Katy Perry's coming out, and she does her halftime, and my son, Zan, is dressed in a Tom Brady jersey, and he's, he's just dancing his head off. And then halftime ends, and a Patriot fan looks at me, and he just waves me over to him, and I'm like, okay, wh- what are we going to talk about here? And he just leans over. He goes, your son is one hell of a dancer. Just... <laughs> and they were just all, like, best friends the rest of the game. And it was uh, one of those things as well where you said that the game that you took them to was so memorable and exciting. Um, yeah. I-, I will tell them, like, you, were, you had a front row seat. We were right there in the mezzanine right on the goal line when Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson. They don't, they don't remember it. They're literally talking about Katy Perry. To this day, it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, you know what resonates with them, and and I, I just I dropped them off at the Super Bowl, and I had to host Sports Center that night, and uh, you know then they came back, but just to get my daughter's film developed, and all it was was the, these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you're like, I said, I said Grace, what are you, what are you doing? She goes, oh, Dad, I just took pictures, and then they, they both passed out. Like, they, I think they got tired. And I...
8: It's like, it's like the, the final credits to the hangover, right? Like, you get the, you get the camera back. You don't know what's in it. Yeah. You what's in it and then you take a look at it. But I guess a question I have for you as well, because you mentioned the first Super Bowl was New England versus Carolina. That was, um, that was NFL Network's first Super Bowl. Um, I was in the building as well. That was also the wardrobe malfunction halftime. Did you ever have a conversation with your kids about that one? They had Man, no or? idea
1: where their seats were, Rich. <laughs> they had they, they they couldn't see it. They weren't sure if there was a football game going on, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, wow. Yeah, they did after the fact because my wife goes, did 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 they see the you know what happened with Jenny? I go, no. I said, huh? No, they, they did not. Hey, uh, before oh. I let you go, uh, yes, sir. the Julio Jones situation. Yes, sir. Where? 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 where oh, because it man. feels like it's not if, but when. But how about where?
8: I don't know. New England sounds the right spot to me because they can absorb it immediately. They could truly use him. They're talking about it. Um, and it would make a ton of sense, an absolute ton of sense. Um, but then you know the report. I think it was uh, it was from Diana Rossini of ESPN um, that they they already have a one in their back pocket. That does not sound like New England to me. Although it, it, New England is the only team Atlanta could say to when they ask, they say, "We'll just give you 2 They're like, "Well, you know, that's what we got from Muhammad Sanu from you." <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. That's you know, so let's 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 realize who we're talking about here, right? So um, that makes sense. The Titans would make a ton of sense too. Um, because they're, I just don't see them trading them within their conference. Green Bay is the one that makes the most sense to me, Dan. It really does. It fixes everything, you know. And I know this sounds like a fantasy football trade, but telling Atlanta you needed, you were looking for, you know, the successor to Matt Ryan. Well, we've got him, and um, you can take a look at him yourself. He looks great in practice, but his presence is kind of, you know, pissing off our MVP quarterback. Um, and we'll give you we'll give you him and a two, and you give us Julio Jones, and then you look at Aaron Rodgers, and you say, okay, you wanted to stay here, and you wanted the best possible team as a window of opportunity. How about the best wide receiver tandem in football, maybe this entire 21st century? How does that sound? Let's go. Yeah. And we've already put Aaron Jones on the credit card, and you got Big Bob Tanyan, and you let's go. Let's what, what is, it kind of makes an insane amount of sense, which means it probably won't happen. In a million years.
1: Just want to let you know that uh, yes, sir. we're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> just want to let you know. Well, I should you. have told you that up front that we were yeah, on the air. Yeah, but here.
8: I was going to say I'm out of NFL Network. But, um, you know, now that I know I'm on the air, I'll just keep that to myself. All right. Uh, thank you, Rich. <laughs> you from like that joke, Dan, yeah. Dan I could tell when you disapprove. I can tell when you disapprove.
1: Oh, no, you paid it off. I didn't want to try to challenge it. I'd let it breathe. <laughs> I can't. Dude. I should let the, you look.
8: You, you should. I should let that. That's just my fault. I should let you put the button on the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's your show. I'm a guest. My bad, Dan. I'm yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean you put a bow on it, but look, I, I know, know, I know humor, Rich. <laughs> okay. I mean,
8: I, yeah. I'll leave it to you, Dan.
1: Like, how many Sandler movies have you been in, Rich? <laughs> Uh, I've been in a couple of CSI Miamis, Dan.
8: So, you know, I've got that going. There's
1: nothing me. funny about CSI Miami. Oh,
8: I disagree, sir. <laughs> you and I will have to have a conversation at another date. But um, all right, Dan. All
1: right. That's Rich Eisen who joins us on the program. On loan from the NFL Network and the Rich Eisen Show that follows this one on peak. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
3: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables ooh yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the centurion lounge resi priority notified and amex card member benefits at select events you'll have to share that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com
0: attention all wrestling aficionados wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season
6: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
1: Is uh, Jeff Van Gundy with us? We, we believe so. Okay. Hey, Jeff. Hey, what's up? How are you? Good. Yourself? I'm doing okay. Did you go to Wendy's before a Knicks game when you were first in New York, first year as a coach? McDonald's. Oh.
7: So, That's how I celebrated getting hired. I uh, I signed my contract and uh, <laughs> stopped in the drive-thru on the way uh, up the West Side Highway. I don't even think that McDonald's is still there, but yeah that uh the number one combo never tasted so good
1: but there's a wendy's across the street though and and paulie said that he saw you there one time oh it's very possible absolutely get the chili are you kidding me i'm sure (laughs) uh that's all i wanted to ask you jeff i just wanted to find out about that uh are the knicks a good team or just a good story
7: no, they're 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 a good team that maxed out uh, the talent at hand in the regular season, and we see this every once in a while where expectations for playoff success rises uh, because of what happened in the regular season. But there's no question Atlanta has more more offensive talent. Um, the depth of their talent is better. That doesn't mean the Knicks can't win. But I picked Atlanta. I thought they were a slight favorite going in uh, just because I think they have just more weapons offensively.
1: Yeah, I picked Atlanta as well. I was also wondering about the atmosphere because you coached in New York and you coached – these were big games, uh, playoff games. But can you – did you ever – were you ever aware of the surroundings, you know, fan behavior while you were coaching?
7: Not not necessarily the behavior, but the, the intensity and passion of the crowd, absolutely. And I think the Garden was never louder than it was in Game 2 uh, of this series. I mean, it was overwhelming. I've never seen a crowd that I remember in the Garden standing an entire half. And it looked like the whole place was standing up uh, the entire second half. And I think um, – so the crowd, intensity, and passion, yes, aware of. I'll tell you, I, I am a little, I'm very disturbed, though, by some of these incidents that uh, fans becoming emboldened uh, to try to, you know, feel like they can spit on, uh, dump popcorn on. Uh, that That's really disturbing, though.
1: But I don't know what it is, Jeff. Are the fans any different? I, I mentioned social media plays a role here, but... Are they more passionate? Uh, you know, people trying to use pandemic like, oh, you're being let out of the house. They, like you're not going to your your job today and spitting on somebody or pouring popcorn on something. Like I, I don't know what the reasoning is behind this.
7: Well, I, I would say probably at a lot of places, alcohol plays a uh, a major factor. I'm also disappointed in the you know they're banning them from the arena. First of all, that's of no consequence because people can come right back in. It's not like the people charged or per, perceptually they're banned, they can't get in. It's not like there's facial recognition and they get they can't come in. We don't even know who they are. Uh particularly with the Trey Young incident spitting on someone, he should have the person should have been arrested. Like there there has to be harsher consequences for these type of actions and you know but you're right like it's not that much different some of the things said to patrick ewing um at road arenas i gotta say like back in the night it 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 would you know today people were gonna be would be like stunned at how bad it was at times so um i i don't know other than alcohol how you can explain you know these bad behaviors, but certainly um, a few people. Just you know, it's criminal activity, is what it is.
1: And I don't know how Patrick was able to just internalize that. I mean, Trey Young getting spit on, and you know, you just and you got to play a game. Um, I and I, you know, we we've all been down there with press row, and you hear what what is said, or a football game, or basketball, or baseball have you ever had to say anything to any of your players? Like, Hey, stay in the moment or don't let it bother you.
7: Uh, I don't remember doing that, Dan, but I, I got to say like some of these things, like you shouldn't have, you know, they have security behind the bench. I think this is where basketball is a little bit different than football. Football. There's more separation between the fans and, you know, the, the players and, In basketball, particularly when we're, you know, not in a COVID season, I mean, they're right on top of you. And the things they say or could do, um, you know, make the basketball players much more vulnerable to to things. And so I I don't remember ever saying it, but I got to say that sometimes I was actually stunned that they didn't react more often you know the the idea when i think westbrook went after somebody um i remember way back vernon maxwell went in the stands after somebody you know i know they shouldn't do it but until you're in that situation where people you know can say these things because they know they're being protected by you know the rules and the league will actually you know, protect the fan more oftentimes than they protect the players. Um, I think it's try, they're trying to get better at it, but we still have a long way
1: to go. He's Jeff Van Gundy of the Mothership. He'll be on the call, Nets and Celtics. Uh, anyway, the Nets do I got
7: to say, I love when you say Mothership. That just makes me laugh each
1: and every time. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I've been saying it for decades. I, and I know. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Anyway, the Nets don't reach the NBA Finals.
7: Well, yeah, there's a way, uh, but to me, they're the prohibitive favorite. I think the path in the Eastern Conference, you know, they're going to have to play an outstanding Milwaukee team most likely in the next round uh, if they're to advance, if they're advanced past the Celtics. And then they've got to face a team, they most likely have to face a terrific Philadelphia team who's great defensively and with a power post-up player that they really don't match up great with. So, yeah, there's there's a, a course uh, and a path that they don't, uh, certainly, because I think the competition at the top half of the East, uh, those top three teams could all advance uh, easily to the NBA Finals.
1: If I gave you the Lakers or the field in the West? Wow
7: if you would have said that before the playoffs, (laughs) I would have said the field, you know, now, like I see them ratchet up that defense, Uh, you know, if they're, if they're able to advance past Phoenix, you know, Portland or Denver, Denver, particularly because they're injured. uh, I could, I can't see either one of those teams beating them. So, you know, it's their defense, Dan. I mean, they're, they're big and they're tough, and they guard, and, and when Anthony Davis, you know, gets big numbers and you got James, uh, you know, neither one had a great first half, but they come out in that second half and they just pound, you know, a really good Phoenix team. So I'd have to take L.A. now that you said, uh, you know, if you'd pose that same question to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably take L.A.
1: What if the Clippers bow out opening round? What kind of ramifications fall out, ending? if any
7: yeah uh, unknown because I think Kawhi Leonard could be a free agent uh, if he chooses to be um, you know obviously I, I don't really understand their messaging um, when people ask him after the second loss is there any concern and they said no concerns and I'm like like that's far different from saying we're not panicked, we're still confident. But to not have any concern? I mean, Luka Doncic in and of itself is a concern. Down two-zero is a concern. Um, you know, their inability to, to guard in a manner in which, like, they should be a great defensive team. They have every component you need to be a great defensive team. So if I was their players, I I, I think the proper messaging would be, Yeah, still confident, but concerned. We need to be more urgent. Uh, You know, we need to play better. And I think this started with their attitude towards the last couple games of the regular season where, you know, they lost, I don't want to say on purpose, but they certainly weren't playing to win. And the West is hard. Like Dallas is no joke. I mean, I think they beat them by 50 earlier in the season. So obviously... Uh, this is a really good team uh a dangerous offensive team and they've got a preeminent star in in Doncic
1: is there a younger a young player you would take over Luka to start your team
7: well i'm trying to think off the top of my head but i'll give you first choice and if i get to, i get Doncic i'm good <laughs> i'm good with like like the way the you know what impresses me about him is as he's improved his shooting later in the year like when he gets into the lane he's so big so strong with such great vision there's no great way to handle him in the two man game like in the pick and roll you can trap him and he can see over the trap and he's a willing passer and they have great shooting around him uh if you drop deep in the lane with your big He's so big and strong that he takes it deep and he can either finish or make every pass necessary. And if you switch, particularly if you play a traditional center, he just obliterates those guys. So there is no good coverage for him. And I think he's more dialed in. He's not a, a, a good individual defender per se, but he's more dialed in defensively because he knows that ultimately you have to guard to win. And so I think this guy is a, you know, just a great, great player. I mean, if you put him as your MVP in in a ballot, I mean, he's going to be in the top eight. No question.
1: Yeah, he might turn out to be like Mike Trout, where he's always in the conversation for MVP. The question is, is he going to win championships, just like Mike Trout? Mike Trout is, you know, obviously one of the great players, but, He's not winning a championship anytime soon and, and Luca may have a situation that's similar to that.
7: Well, so much of winning a championship as you know, Dan, is who you play with and who you play against. Some some players were just born at the wrong time and even though they had good players around them, they just didn't have, you know, enough around them to win at all. So, you know, Doncic, I think they have a very good team. I, I know uh They got off to a bad start this year. You know, Porzingis' injury, I think, had an impact. I think Doncic didn't shoot the ball particularly well. But since Rick Carlisle has gone to Richardson off the bench, starting hard away with Finney Smith, Kleba, Porzingis, and Doncic, that starting lineup is big, it's versatile, and it has a lot of answers at both ends of the floor.
1: You coached against Jordan. Later, Jordan, you coached against Kobe. You coached against LeBron, a young LeBron. Game plan wise, who did you who did you figure out a little bit better than the other two?
7: Mm, there's no there. There wasn't. There's really no figuring out great players. I think what you try to do with all great players, Dan, is you can't give them everything. Um, so, for instance where we always started off with game planning against great players, you know, first of all, O'Neal was by far the hardest guy. Like there was no game plan for the power of O'Neal. So, but on those perimeter players, what you try to do is take away transition layups and try to take away free throw attempts. The pull-up game, you know, some of the threes we see LeBron James making now off the dribble. He made one in game two against uh, Phoenix, you know, left corner off the dribble fade. There's nothing you can do with that. you got to take away layups. you got to take away free throws. And the harder you make it on great players in the half court, they try to figure out all right, I got to get out and transition more. I got to get to the offensive boards more. So you've got to fight them in the effort areas. But there's truly no way to stop them. But you can't give them everything. So for James, you know, like you can't give him thirty points and double digit assists. Like you're, he's going to get probably one or the other. But you can't give them both.
1: It's always great to talk to you, Jeff. Uh, have fun tonight. It's the Nets and the Celtics. That'll be at 8.30 Eastern on the Mothership. And uh, Sunday's game will be Suns-Lakers at 3.30 Eastern on ABC. If you can slip in Mothership tonight, that'd be kind of nice.
7: Well, do? I think we're on ABC tonight. So oh, you if are? You to, I think we are. So um, I think tonight, yeah, it's an 8.30 game because I think the other games are on the Mothership. Uh, Knicks come on at 7.00. And I believe at nine thirty is uh, Dallas, right? So two games on the Mothership, one on ABC. <laughs> and I, if I, I am going to get Mothership in tonight, and Mark Jackson will probably uh, reprimand me immediately. But that's all right. Yeah, I can, I can handle that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Mark Jackson. Mike Breen's a Hall of Famer. I'd worry about him. But uh, uh, hey, yes, he is. Great to talk to you, Jeff. Uh, thank right, thanks care. for joining us. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
8: And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff...